Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Explanations with Dr. Doe. Hello, I'm Dr. Lindsay Doe, and this is Sexplanations Podcast. I'm a doctor of human sexuality, clinical sexologist, host of the YouTube show Sexplanations, and now the podcast Sexplanations. Today, all that means that I have a responsibility to really know what I'm saying when I'm talking to my friends about sex. Um, Let's see, a fact about me. I was born in Rochester, New York. I grew up in Hudson, Ohio mostly, and now I live in Missoula, Montana. My curiosity of the week is, does my dog, who doesn't have all of her reproductive organs, ever miss having sex? Did she ever have sex? All these questions I'm curious about. Today, I am joined by Heidi Sadivi, one of my closest friends. She and I are going to be going through many of your sex questions on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook in honor of the third episode of Sexplanations, our YouTube channel, where we did our very first Ask Lindsay, and I got to learn about your sexual curiosities and answer them directly. Hi, this is Heidi. Hi, Heidi. I'm so glad you're here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Before we begin, I want to give everyone a message from our first sponsor. The show is brought to you in part by our wonderful patrons on patreon.com slash podcast. These sexplanauts make it so that I get paid to use my degrees and provide quality sex ed to the universe. I'd like to give a shout out to those pledged at the boss level, Laura Schuster, Donna, and the Millers. With this sponsorship plug, there is a multiple choice question, or what I like to call a testy. Now it's time to hold our testies. Here's our question. What is the average speed of ejaculation? I'm assuming not sperm because sperm, in fact, travel one-eighth of an inch per hour. So we're just looking at ejaculation. It's multiple choice. Here are the options. A. 14 miles an hour, which is 22.5 kilometers per hour. B, 28 miles per hour, or 45 kilometers per hour. C, 52 miles per hour, or 82 kilometers per hour. And D, 96 miles per hour, approximately 154 kilometers per hour. Any thoughts, Heidi? How specific do you want this to go? (laughs) I mean, based on what I've seen, it usually (laughs) goes... (laughs) It, it makes it like two feet. Like that's as far as I've seen it go. So, but speed. What, has but to, speed. what, what speed has to be behind it to get it there, though? Does sure. Velocity. It, the, I mean, the distance that it is traveling. So how fast is it traveling as, that distance? As it two exits. Feet? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I'd have to say pretty fast. Do you think it's 14, 28, 51, or 96 miles an hour? I'm going to say 51. It is 28 miles an Ugh. hour. Which is still, I mean. It's, no, it's fast. I'm excited to know that. And I'm going to share that to all of my friends tonight. That's, that's like neighborhood driving speed, right? When you're driving your car around When you think about it like that, yeah. Even a little bit faster. Well, I mean, if you're driving neighborhood I'm above speed driver. limit. Uh, yeah. That's I why. like the centrifugal force. <laughs> we know this about each other. Awesome. So. I've invited you onto this show for a few reasons. One, you're really easy to talk to. You're a really curious person, which includes sex, curiosities. And the third reason is that you're wicked smart. You slayed me in Scrabble the other night. I 
I see shapes. I don't say, I wouldn't say I'm super smart. Oh, you are, Stop Heidi. Stop it. I, <laughs> I, you are smart, but you don't have to be smart today. You can just be a lay person talking to me about sex. We're going to um, do this part of the show called Sex Positions, where we, you know, think about how sex explanations the YouTube channel has been in the past and kind of, you know, talk about our experiences there, our thoughts. You can ask me any questions about what it was like for me to do episode three. And then we'll take another break from our sponsor and answer questions from the Sexplanations audience. Was episode three, it was really fast, right? Because you wanted it to was, get It wasn't as many the rapid questions. delivery oh, it wasn't. One. Okay. No, it was just, was, it's actually watching it now compared to recent episodes of Sexplanations, the YouTube show, it is really painfully slow. Let's play a montage. Hello and welcome to the first Ask Lindsay. I am under the weather, but I want to talk with you anyway. If there was one thing that I wished people knew earlier in life, what would it be? It would be that you can say no and still survive. If there is anything that I could give you right now to get you through the next coming weeks until I get to all of your questions, it would be if it doesn't feel really deep down in the core of the beautiful person who is asking me these questions, right then. I'm giving you permission to hold off and wait until you have some more information that will allow you to make that decision safely. I've heard some of you are readers, so I'm going to give you my favorite non-fictional fiction, fictional non-fiction. It's called Dr. Tatiana's Sex Advice to All Creation by Olivia Judson. It's an entertaining read where a woman is a sex columnist responding to different species about how they can resolve their sex and relationship issues. To the question about initials, LGBTIQQAA2, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, questioning, queer, allies, asexual, and then the number two for two-spirit. Many of you have also talked about pansexuality and demisexuality and heteroflexibility. There are a lot of variations to how we all express ourselves, and I look forward to an entire episode on this. One of you asked what my favorite inanimate object is. My answer is a spoon. Why, Lindsay? Because although I absolutely love eating with my hands, I also like soup. Thanks for the questions, the fan art, and the awesome feedback. I really look forward to more of it. And if you would like to know what community projects are coming up related to sexuality and sexplanations, check Tumblr. Thanks. Bye. So you can ask me any questions about the episode. You were around. You were in my life when I started recording sexplanations. Do you and remember? I do. And I remember how, I don't know if controversial is the word, but the alphabet soup and oh, how yeah. so many people insisted that an ally shouldn't be in there. Right, that's true. And I don't want to bring up bad memories. But <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a really interesting thing to to be a spectator of. Well, because um, you and I grew up in a time when it it was LG. B A or LGBTA, and at that time, asexuality wasn't well known or discussed, and mm -hmm. the A stood for allies because that initialism was a way to describe certain spaces or certain groups. So it was saying, here are the sexual and gender minorities 
and their allies who help fill up that space, but also help as a liaison between maybe the general public and these minority groups who are being discriminated against. And so um, I understand Hmm. the rift and where people were getting really upset because they don't, they didn't know that world or that origin of the initialism. Um, So it was a really great opportunity to educate, you know, whether or not they took that lesson (laughs) and held it to heart and uh, accepted it as something out of my control. But it it was definitely useful for me to realize just how much people need sex education. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I also love the spoon bit. That's my favorite. I still laugh when I watch it. Because um, <laughs> I like spoons. Like, your favorite inanimate object is a spoon. Did you think you like soup? Yes. Do you think they were trying to get me to say something else? I don't think so. What is your favorite inanimate object? Oh my gosh, probably this stuffed animal I've had since Aww. I was about three. Aww. It's a wrinkles dog. It's one of those the puppets that they made back in the eighties. Cute. And I've had it. I've had it this whole. I've had it my whole life. You still have it, and I, I haven't still even seen it. Have it. I mean, we live together, Heidi. How you is should that have possible? seen it in my bedroom. She hangs out there every day. My dog didn't eat it. How is nope. this possible? She's magical. Oh, what's her name? Wendy. <laughs> Wendy the Wrinkles. <laughs> I named her when I was three. I probably out of after Peter Pan. Ah. Uh... Um, but. I, I honestly don't remember how she got her name. I just remember that I named her Wendy Wrinkles. I wanted alliteration. Even so at three? I must have been older than that. And you think you're not smart. Um, I must have been older than that. But Wendy started with a W, and Wrinkles on her label started with a W, so I knew that her name had to start with a W. And so that was the only W name I think I could think of at the time. Right. So we have evidence of why you beat my butt at Scrabble. <laughs> because at three, you knew what a W was. I'm sure I was older than three. Now that I like hearing that, that's not logical. But I only vaguely remember getting her. So it's one of my very earliest memories is getting this animal. And I still hold on to it. And it's still one of my dearest, dearest things. Um, is this like... A stuffed animal that you ended up humping at some point. Do you have an intimate relationship with Wendy with no. wrinkles? Nope. No. Okay. Um, I mean, she's like three feet high. I guess that wouldn't. No. I mean, if she's three feet, then that means there's some serious stuffing in there that is, you know, supportive, stable, good surface for humping. Nope. She didn't cross your mind. Okay. She didn't get that special treatment. <laughs> <laughs> She missed out. Oh, my. Awesome. Oh, man. So what do you think about sexplanations now that it's been four years and you've seen me go through the process? It's I I didn't realize when I went back and revisited episode three, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much it had evolved. Mm. It is it's it's taken on this personality and I think your personality comes out of it in it more. Um, more now? I think so. You're more animated, I think. Okay. I'm trying to think, what was what are some of your more recent episodes? I mean, I did one on my sex life. I did... Oh, man, I can't. 
<laughs> I block them. Once I do um, them, it's over. They're, they're Don't think done. about that anymore. Um, let's see. Hooking I like the up. one in your sex life. Yeah? It is inspiring. How so? Because I've been in a relationship with a person for about six months. And so to watch somebody who's been in a relationship for, I don't mm-hmm. think you said how many years, but it's been a lot of years. Nine years. Nine, nine years. years. Yeah. And you're still coming up with creative ways to keep your sex life exciting. It, it makes me excited to be with my person and hopefully to keep it exciting as well. I was like, yes, it is possible. Of course it's possible. So it doesn't have to be sex every Sunday in missionary style. Oh, my god! I've had that relationship before. <laughs> and the person that I'm with now is so great, and it's still so exciting. And six months isn't very long, but I got really excited when I watched that to think, I'm going to be like that someday. That's what Aww. I want to do. I love it. Well, I mean, except I think about your relationship and how into all of my toys the two of you are. Like, I'll, I'll acquire toys from Adam and Eve and then have more than I could ever use. And so I hand them off to you and your partner. And it's amazing, like, how into them you are and what a start you have for your relationship. Right? Like, six months and you have, what, 10, 20 toys? We we have one, two, three. I would say we have about a half dozen favorite toys that get used <laughs> uh, regularly. Actually, when we came to your house last, I said, oh, gosh, I hope Lindsay doesn't give us more toys. Oh, no. And my partner, because we have, it's like we're trying to keep up with them because we get them and we want to try them all. Mm-hmm. And we haven't tried all of them from the last last visit. Um <laughs> Mostly because we don't have sex close enough to an outlet. <laughs> so we need to work on that. <laughs> so I said, we haven't even used the, the ones from the last visit. He goes, hush. He said, of course we want more sex toys. Tell, uh, you know, Don't ever tell her that we don't want more sex toys. So he loves it. He's just as into it as, as I am. And it's so great. Thank you for providing the sex toys. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Adam and Eve. Um, I was thinking your birthday's coming up in July. I should buy you an extension cord. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Do you have a favorite? Uh, like a favorite of the favorites? Oh, boy. I would imagine, I don't know if he wants me to tell say what his favorite is. His favorite is the anal plug, I would say. The high-quality um, black silicone one? Yes. Oh, yeah. You know how I got that? How? Um, I was at a conference called Catalyst Con. I think it was at Catalyst Con. And they had a sex trivia night. And being a doctor of human sexuality is kind of like, you know, knowing what W is when you're three. Uh, It was a major advantage. (laughs) And so... My team won this huge, beautiful gift basket full of toys, and the butt plug was in there. Nice. Yeah. And I have always wanted it to have a home. It has a good home. Okay, good. I thought about giving it to Hank Green once, um, you know, because he talks about his his anus a lot in regards to having um, ulcer. Ulcerative colitis. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, you know, butt plug. Maybe that will help. <laughs> um, but that's not really how I work around the office, so I'm really glad that it has oh, a good home. No. 
I ever come back from the back country with Giardia, I can just imagine you saying, sorry about your butt. Here's a plug. <laughs> oh, my gosh. For those of you who don't know, Giardia is a problem in Montana. Um, is it a virus or bacteria? I want to say it's a bacteria. Okay. But And if you drink water... Um, that isn't clean in the, the mountain streams or mountain lakes, then you can get really sick and then you end up with diarrhea for a week, right? And that's how it goes. It could even be longer than that. Oh, gosh. And you're just so dehydrated. Um, I think it was actually a huge problem in the Civil War, and a lot of soldiers might have even died from it. Don't quote me on that. Okay. We'll gosh, if only they had had butt plugs. If only... <laughs> Or since we're more on the side of prevention, it would have been really great if they had tablets to clean their water. Mm -hmm. All about prevention. Yes. And everything. Yeah. Prevention. I, I, we both like that. You, so those of you listening might know that Heidi has been on SciShow Talk Show before talking about what she does as a profession, which is to protect the lakes in Montana from an invasive species, well, lots of invasive species, quagga mussels and zebra mussels in particular. And her job is has been, at different points in time, doing various, what would you call them, like interventions to stop boats that are infected from going into the water. Yeah, so I, I work with watercraft inspectors and I coordinate decontaminations. And I train people to inspect boats and make sure that they're checking as thoroughly as possible. We actually got mussels for the first time in Montana last year, which was really, really sad. But we have talked about how our careers are parallel in that way of, like, how your quagga mussels are similar to HIV and how we work so (laughs) hard to prevent, you know, this epidemic and, Mm -hmm. and... how disappointing it is personally and professionally when you can't prevent every single infection. Yeah. And you see all these boaters going around jumping from lake to lake to lake, and it's just like partner to partner to partner. And it's it's so many parallels. Um, I was at a conference a few years ago, and somebody actually compared invasive species to, I think he said, the clap. And it, the room just felt, felt silence crickets they were not impressed with the no but it's a perfect (laughs) analogy it really is yeah i mean gonorrhea spreads and invasive species spread and damn it we're condoms get tested now for a segment of the show called the main squeeze This is where we work our pubococcygeus muscles by clenching and relaxing them every time we hear a clap. Or if you want, you can think of this as a spank. Don't think of it as gonorrhea. (laughs) In this message from our sponsor, every clap, you're going to squeeze. Here we go. AdamandEve.com is an online superstore for adult shoppers that sells hundreds of vibrators, fifis, dildos, toys for anal, and kink. They also sell condoms and lube, sex games to keep your play exciting, and lingerie. When you use the promo code SEXPOD, you'll get 50% off of an eligible item plus free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. Thanks, Adam and Eve. You like Adam and Eve too, huh? I have been to Adam and Eve. You have been there, but also you have a whole toy box full of... Full of all of their toys. Yeah. 
Thank you, Adam and Eve. <laughs> Thanks, Adam and Eve. <laughs> okay, so um, anything that you want to add? Any personal anecdotes or, or you know, sex-positive things before we take questions from the audience? Um, oh, boy. Nothing's coming to mind. Okay. I'm on the spot. Well, that's okay. Speaking of if, spots. <laughs> I was thinking menstrual spots. I still spots. haven't found my thinking? G spot. You haven't? I haven't. Oh, let's talk about that then. So here are some tips. One, to know where it's generally located, which is going to be on the anterior part of your body, not the posterior. So anterior would be your stomach, posterior would be your mm-hmm. back. So you're looking for it on the front side of your vaginal wall. And I've looked for it, felt for it rather, Mm -hmm. and it's just uncomfortable. I don't feel anything that strikes me as like, ooh, that's awesome. Okay, so more directions, and then I'll explain why that might be. What you're going to do is go about a knuckle or two in with a finger or two. Okay. Or like Adam and Eve has G-spot stimulators, for example, which are toys designed to have that immediate curve in them mm-hmm. so that they can hit that spot. But essentially, you're go- you or someone else is going in from the top of your vagina, and then you're going to push up against that wall right, like right as you get in. And my guess is that it, it is not going to feel like, ooh, at all. Mm-hmm. The way that you might know that you have found it is, um, well, it's much easier to do when you're aroused because the tissue is wrinkly. It's kind of like um, if you have ridges on the top of your mouth uh-huh. and feel those. Uh-huh. It's kind of like that, but more fleshy. Okay. After this, I will go home and we'll, I'll okay. keep you posted. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't think that it typically um, feels the same way. Like, right, like when you touch your clitoris or somebody else does, there's either this, whoa, like that's too intense or mm-hmm. whoa, like, yeah, more, keep contact, et cetera. Yeah. It's very telling. But I think that the G spot for people isn't. It's It just feels like tissue and it may even give you the sensation of needing to pee, which isn't necessarily comfortable. But what you're finding is periurethral tissue, meaning it's a tissue that is around the urethra. It's actually considered the prostate, so it's from the same embryonic tissue as the prostate in biosex males, but it's in, you know, you're looking for as a biosex female. And so it's this um, skein's gland, it goes by all sorts of different names, that's around your urethra. So if you push on it, you're pushing on your urethra, which is connected to your bladder and so on. Just going to, yeah. Yeah. So you're going to feel like you have to pee. That's not pleasurable Not necessarily sexual. I mean, it can be. Yeah. But if you push on it, like, or rub Mm -hmm. um, much more intensely than I would recommend doing with the clitoris, then you are giving the whole vagina sensation and might get to female ejaculation or squirting or surging or whatever Mm -hmm. you might call it. Do you feel more confident about finding it now? Now I I know what I'm feeling for. I'm actually curious to see if I can actually feel something different. I didn't know that the tissue actually felt different. I don't think that it does for everyone because I also think, right, with human nature and all the diversity that's out there, some people might not have that tissue or they might not experience it in the same way. But Mm -hmm. if I had to guess, I'd say there's a high possibility 
I wasn't sure what I was looking for. Now I do. Now you know. Oh, learning all the time. That's funny that your spot is G-spot, which is very classic. And mine is like menstrual spot on the sheets spot. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any other? Oh, no. There's like semen spot, clitoris hitting the spot. Yeah. We gone through all the sex spots. There's got to be more. Wet spot. Which refers to those used to be the original name of the the sex club in Seattle. I think I'm getting that correct. If I'm not, don't hate me, people. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take your questions. This is a way of redeeming myself. <laughs> and Heidi, if you have any other questions you want to ask me, I'm here for you. I know, and I love it. Okay. I want to start with Twitter. Twitter is my favorite place to get questions because... It limits how many characters you can use, and so people are very succinct. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's the first one. What's a good way to handle communication when both people have trauma regarding sex? Hmm. I mean, my trauma is related to consent, and so I am very, very Mm pro-consent. And fortunately, my partner doesn't have trauma associated with sex. But luckily, we are able to talk about it. And so he he knows what my triggers are. And as they surface, um, he's very respectful of my boundaries and my triggers. And I'm able to tell him what those are. So I think feeling safe with your partner is so important. And that safety is, is a means to open up communication. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love it. So, so I think safety, safety first, uh, is is how how I how I make it work. But you're not just talking about um, protection safety, like you know what people think of when they hear safety first. You're talking about emotional protection of your Absolutely. heart, you know, of your mind. Um, so I am, I'm thinking that if. Both partners in a dynamic have issues related to, you know, sexual trauma, then they can both apply what you're saying, which is knowing one another's triggers, knowing that more will come up over time, talking them out, respecting them, and navigating maybe other options for play when you get there. Mm-hmm. And and then I think really making yourself as a partner stand out as something separate from a perpetrator. Definitely. And we continue to grow. So even though it might seem like there are more obstacles mm-hmm. that come up as different triggers are learned, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like that at all. It's just like, okay, we will, we're going to do this instead. It's not like we can't do this. It's we're going to do this instead. And it's really great. I found a good one. You did. I like your partner so much. (gasps) Shout out to Heidi's partner. (laughs) Okay, next question then. When is the right time to introduce a taboo fetish? Like something that you're into and want to take part in with your partner. Should we pick a fetish? I'm vanilla, which is so bad. I'm gonna. I don't have an answer to this question. You're not bad. You're no. Being vanilla is that's a flavor. It is a flavor. So yeah, you're good. You're good. Um, um, 
let's pick a fetish, though, and maybe you have some creative ideas, though, for how to bring it up in a relationship based on the fact that you are vanilla and maybe your partner is not. Let's go with the fetish of crush. Crush fetish. That's one of the ones that I'm most fascinated by. It can range from a soft crush like squishing grapes or cake or um, I I would say mostly food things or non-living things. And then you have hard crushes, which are animals like insects and birds and mice, etc. So let's say someone that is into a crush fetish, how would they successfully introduce that to you as a partner? I like the idea of using a want, will, won't list for something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how I would, I, I mean, the initial approach would just have to be open and honest and safe and saying, I, I have a crush fetish and I'd like to bring this to the relationship. And then I'd like to know what you can do to, to make that happen. And I feel like a want, will, won't list might be the best tool for that. Thank you. That's awesome. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Want, Will, Won't List is something I created a good 10 years ago where you take a sheet of paper and split it into three columns. The first one is what you want, your ideal situation for sexuality or whatever the context is, a new job, a new apartment, uh, a new dog. And then you have your will column, which is the common ground, what you might not be super into, but you're willing to negotiate. And the third column, the won't, is your hard limits. You're absolutely don't ask me again. And so I absolutely agree with you that that tool in this context is perfect because you can make your own list as as a vanilla sexual partner. Mm -hmm. And then this other person can make their list with the fetish. And when you bring those two together to make comparisons, you can say, oh, what? What is a crush fetish? And they can explain it to you. And you might say, I will stomp on a lasagna. I won't stomp on a squirrel. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like almost a Venn diagram. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Okay, next question. What is the best and worst thing about being a sexologist? Do you want to answer that? I'm not a sexologist. But what do you think it is for me? Um, You're my friend. You know me I know. Really well. You get to help so many people. Okay. So you think that's the best? If I, if, that, if I were in your shoes, I think that might be the best. Okay. I think the worst part, and now that you're not a professor anymore, I'm not approached by what is it like knowing Lindsay Doe and getting questions, but so many people are curious about your sexuality and it's so personal. And I have people asking me about your sexuality just because of association. People ask you about my sex life? People have come up to me and been like, you know, Lindsay Doe, does she have all the sex? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) But everybody wants to know about your personal sex life. Oh, interesting. And they make assumptions that it's just this mind blowing and maybe it is. Um, I hope it is, but I imagine that would be the worst part for me is everybody wanting to know about my sex life. Interesting. So tell me your answers. I didn't know you were asked things like that. Have you ever heard me have sex? We've lived together multiple times. I think I came home once when you were having sex in the shower. Oh, exciting. I shouldn't say came home. Came, showed up at your house once. 
Well, home. Um, you were living with I lived, me. Yeah. I was living with you at the time. And I think that's it. Wow. So best and worst from my perspective, I would say that the best part is being able to have any conversation about sexuality that I want. There's really no limit socially for me to do that because if there's one place where I can't, then there's some place else where I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the worst part about it is, oh gosh, yeah, definitely. When having sex, it's really hard to turn off the sexologist and not oh. be thinking about like, oh, the, the penis did this this time. I should probably take notes in a log and record this as a case study. <laughs> so it can become <laughs> oh really frustrating to have a sexual experience or a fantasy, et cetera, and, um, you know, not be in clinical mind. That's how I am boating. I have a hard time having a good time on a boat because all I can look at is in the water looking for aquatic weeds. And Aww. I feel like I'm almost at work when I'm on a boat because I used to do plant surveys and actually be on a boat for work. I've gotten yeah. past that. Yeah. I, I, I can mean, kind of empathize. Thank you. Yeah, you, you can. I mean, you understand what that's like. And I think it, anybody would understand how sometimes it can be really hard to not take work home with you. Mm-hmm. But particularly when having sex, that would be the thing. Let's see. Next question. Uh, besides weight loss, any tips to help someone who's gained a lot of weight feel more comfortable with sex again? That's an interesting question. I recently just gained a lot of weight. I think finding a partner who thinks you're beautiful regardless, this sounds so cheesy, but it's what's made it work for me because when I feel self-conscious, my partner just says, you are so beautiful, and I feel so much better. <sighs> I know. I got a good one. You did? I'm so <laughs> looking forward to him hearing this. I hope he feels incredibly flattered. When I think about going from not feeling sexy to sexy, my go-to for some reason has been black fishnet stockings oh. because they just have a way about them, and they they fit often all body types and sizes, and it's a, a great way to kind of go into the character of being sexy. So you're acting as if or you're mm-hmm. acting your way into better thinking, which is far more effective than trying to think your way into better acting. Mm-hmm. I like that answer. I like yours. I like your partner. <laughs> all right. Does one orgasm leave a woman satisfied? I think it depends on the woman. Does one orgasm leave you satisfied? Yes. Does one orgasm leave you satisfied? No. <laughs> Last night I masturbated and I so my my masturbation uh like orgasm amount is I would say around 5 like or 5 or 6 I'm like okay I can I can oh, I can't right. even how. Oh, it's Mm. Anyway, I told my friend this, a different friend of ours, Louie, and he he mentioned at the end of our hanging out together, he was like, okay, have fun. Hope you get to seven. And I couldn't remember what it was connected to. And then he reminded me and I was like, oh, yeah, watch this. And so last night I lost count. How long does it take you to get to seven? I mean, or- I have to take breaks in between of maybe 30 seconds to a minute but then just like 
cereal, one after the other. I'm a little envious. I mean, I would love it if I could push everything out on the first one and just exhaust myself. But it's not like that. It's like I have this really great orgasm, but it's not finished. Like a poop. It's like when you have a really great poop, but there's still more in there. And you you're have, like, God, yeah. I have to sit here and wait until that last turtle head pokes out and <laughs> lands in the toilet. <laughs> so sexy. I know. It's like we're talking about Dr. Doe's orgasms. Let's yeah. shift to poop. poop. <laughs> uh, that's, I think I've had multiple orgasms twice in my life. Yeah. And it was just two. Did you have multiple orgasms or did you have serial orgasms? Because we misname them, right? A multiple orgasm would be if you had one, for example, in your anus and your vagina, whereas the serial is one after the other. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Serial orgasms. I've had serial orgasms twice in my life. And you've had two of them in a row. Yes. Okay. I'm sad. I shouldn't be sad because I'm very, very happy sexually, but... It's an experience that I don't think I will have. You have plenty of time. And you have a playmate who you want to be having creative sex for the next 10 years with. So. I'm sure he's taking notes. (laughs) 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 What's nice is that we get to give our audience a homework assignment at the end called Sex Store Credit. So if you think of something like having serial orgasms that we can assign them, Mm -hmm. something creative to keep their sex lives alive. Okay, next question. Also, what position would you recommend for a woman to reach orgasm the easiest? For me, it's on top. On top. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're doing like a cheese grater kind of movement versus a pogo stick. It's funny because we do a lot with, like the pogo stick, mm-hmm. but for me to orgasm, it does need to be more of the rocking motion. Yeah. So. And I think that a lot of people, I am not going to specify genders, but they believe that there is this pogo stick kind of motion on the penis where you bounce up and down, and it doesn't make sense to them why they're unable to have an orgasm. Like, I, I'm on top, and I'm doing it, and penis is going mm. in and out. Like, why can't I have an orgasm during partner sex and what they don't realize is that there needs to be a stroking motion on the clitoris or there any erectile tissue that's there and the best way to accomplish that is by grinding back and forth like a cheese grater on the person's mons so their pubic bone where their pubic hair is is where you would want to slide up and down I hadn't thought of that before what about you what's the position for you Yeah, definitely on top. Okay. Doing that. I also like extending the meaning of sex to include all sorts of play. And so what's nice for me is to just lie on my back, like have another person maybe penetrate me digitally, et cetera, while I use my fingers to stimulate my clit. Mm -hmm. Now you all know how Heidi and I have sex. (laughs) My partner still has your stickers, I'm sure. My stickers? You gave him good job, way to go, superstar stickers. Oh. When I told you that he gave me an orgasm, three orgasms in one night, one with his fingers, one with his mouth, and one with his penis. It was like the trifecta of orgasms. And so you gave him stickers? 
I love that. Do you know what those stickers are from originally? No, what? I made a whole bunch of blowjob kits to give out to patrons of patreon.com slash explanations. And in the blowjob kits, I put those stickers so that they can, you know, reward themselves or their partners for great blowjobs. And they worked. He loves the stickers. Aww. I love that story. (laughs) I think we've answered a good amount of questions, Heidi, and I am so grateful that you hung out with me today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. (laughs) I'm glad you think so. Tell your partner good job. (laughs) I will. I'll give him more stickers when I see him. He would love that. Good. And, um, you know, we will, of course, hang out soon. But I have some announcements now for our audience. We have new Sexplanation shirts available at dftbi.com. You can go to patreon.com slash sexplanationspodcast. Those pledged at a $5 level are marked as decision makers, which means every creative mission needs its think tank, a clever, thoughtful person with good intentions and the ability to communicate their ideas and or give feedback to others. Every time there's a need for a group decision about the podcast, you'll have access to a poll where your voice can be heard as a member of our think tank. You'll be able to cast your votes plus write comments whenever you think it's helpful to say more. And Cora Amparo, I am still learning. Again, special thanks to Heidi Sadivi for co-hosting. I love that you are my friend and you are so able to have these conversations with me. I feel the same way. All the love. Uh, Thanks to Cinema Studios for sound editing, complexly for production, and Count Boogie of the Perverted Podcast for all the delightful jingles. Here is your sextra credit for this week. What did we decide we should assign them? Were we going to talk about the G-spot? Yeah, to find their G-spot. So the assignment is to find your G-spot, prostate, whatever you call that tissue. Go in search of it. See if you have one. See what um, texture it is for you, whether or not it, you know, feels interesting. And journal about it in the book you got from assignment one of Sexplanations Podcast, episode one. What do we want to say? I don't know. I want to go home and find my (laughs) (laughs) G-spot. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.